Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something, people. I, uh, as once and again, I'm fighting the cold. I think it's from going back east all the time. But I have a great guest today. And I want to tell you something. He's like a multi-talented guy. I always look when someone has a, a long list on IMDb. And you have a, you, from like 1980. And I mean, mm-hmm. and it's just, and he's known, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 50 in uh, October. And Fast Times at Ridgemont High is honestly, for everyone I know, is just one of those movies that your character, I mean, that is one of the biggest known characters. He played Mike Damone. That's one of the biggest known characters in the last 40 years of movies. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, I'm not sure what to say about that. But it's one of those things we all remember because it was that that it was a time where it wasn't now where there's an oversaturation. It was then, you know, VCRs were just coming out, right? And TV was, you know, it was. I mean, it wasn't, and everyone knew a guy like that character. I guess, I guess everybody knew a guy like somebody in that movie. Right, you know, right. There was someone in that movie that everybody could relate to. Now you're. Originally from New York, or are you from out here? Because I, I originally could... I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, and so what was? I know you wanted to be a musician first, right. and you are a musician. Not that you wanted to be, right. but was was your household? Were you a very? Was there arts around your household, or what made what impacted you to want to follow into music, then acting? Well, you know, uh, since I was a little kid, music has always been. I've just loved it. You know, I think I bought my first. 45 when I was like nine years old, okay. you know, and uh, I, I, I started playing drums when I was about that age, and uh, in my basement I used to have my drum set, and I had a little hi-fi with a bullhorn speaker on it, and I had stacks of 45s, and I would just play song after song, and I'd play there for hours, and music just kind of struck me in a way that you know, maybe it didn't hit a lot of people. I mean, people love music, but for me, it it resonated in such a way that I constantly listened to it. I constantly played it. It was you, just a big part of my life. Do you remember your first one of your first albums? Because I know mine was Tom Jones' Greatest Hits. I'm not lying. Uh, well, the first song I bought was uh, I, I think it was uh, uh, I forget who wrote it, but it was a hundred pounds of clay. Okay, and it was. Uh, you know, it had to be like 1960-something. I think it cost 65 cents. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, there was a little record store down the street for me, and I would go down there and just buy whatever new hits were out on the radio, you know. It was so, it was so great then, because we did have all the... The stereos, I mean, it's not different now, but it was like, you know, I remember when, when I was older, when I got my first rack system, it was all connected. It was a TIAC, and it had right. the, this, the dual cassette and the CD player. Right. And I was like, this is great. But then you're going, wait, what am I going to do with all these albums now? Yeah. And I have to buy all new CDs. So you're a kid, you're, you're nine years old, you're playing the drums. Right. Now, did you have other, were you making friends with other people who were musicians at the time? Just Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, I have five older brothers. Maybe that's why I was so into into music at a young age because they were all into music okay and, you know uh when i was when i was uh about that age my older brother billy had a lot of friends who played music they'd all come over to my basement and just a jam all all day long like on a saturday or something downstairs you know and uh and i think i played my first 
paying gig when I was 12. Wow. And it was at a, a, the Hartford Institute for the Living, which okay. was a, a mental hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what a great crowd. You're 12. You're going, holy crap, what's going on here? It was frightening. And uh, we were playing songs like Paint It Black and, uh, you know, from the Rolling Stones. Right. It was around that time. And uh, and I just constantly played with, with friends who would play music. Uh, even when they, even when I couldn't find anybody, I would, I would be playing the drums perhaps eight hours a day. Okay. Know? I just loved it. And uh, I had a good friend who went to Berkeley School in Boston jazz school in Boston who who majored in drums and uh, so we would get together once or twice a week and uh, he kind of opened up my world as a drummer and to jazz and everything and uh, yeah, it was a passion more than anything I played sports when I was a kid but I gave that up so I could play music really. Well, where did you go then for music how did you follow this career I mean you were sitting there I mean did you go to Berkeley too or what did you do to follow your music or follow that passion <clears throat> once you got old enough to go well you know I uh, I took the traditional route, and after high school, I went to college. I packed up all my drums and took them with me to Cincinnati, you know, uh, Xavier University. Okay. Set them up in the dorm, and everybody complained. <laughs> so then I started playing guitar in the hallway, in the in the stairwells, you know. Uh, I learned how to play guitar because I just I needed to play something. And uh, nobody would let me play the drums. They were just too noisy and too... Uh, disturbing for everybody so uh, I started playing guitar and then I started hanging out in coffee houses and playing in coffee houses and and uh, and knew that music was something I wanted to pursue so I came out to California now you came out to be in a band I mean you, that was what you were pursuing I mean the acting I mean I mean you I don't know if you found to the acting but you I mean it, it seems like you love music music so much it's people just don't you know, if they love something, but an opportunity must have came for you. But what, I mean, when you moved out here, had you been to L.A. before? Or was it the first time you were ever here? Well, I came I came out in the late 60s once. I had a brother who lived out here, so I came out to visit him. But, no, when I came out, it was 1976. And uh, my goal, my dream was to become Doc Severinsen's drummer okay. on The Tonight Show. That's all I wanted to do was surround myself with cymbals put on some headphones and just play all different types of music for people who came on the show. But, uh, you know, he had Ed Shaughnessy and Louis Belson and right, these guys didn't need Bob <laughs> Romanus. <so. laughs> yeah, people have been playing with him for years. Yeah. But hey, that's a good lofty goal to have, though. Well, I mean, you might as well aim for the top if you're going to aim for something. Uh, I thought it was an amazing band and an amazing gig because you got to play all different types of stuff, you know. And, uh, and then I got a job as a and at a place called the Great American Food and Beverage Company out here, which had singing waiters. Now, did you have a good voice? I mean, because I mean, you had the, the guitar and the drums, but did you ever sing? No, I wasn't really a performer. Okay. You know, I my my, you know, I really liked. I was shy. Wanted to sit behind cymbals and not be seen and just you know play. But when I got this job, I had to perform. Uh, so. I picked up a guitar and I learned a Tom Waits tune, The Heart of Saturday Night. And I got up and I played it at the restaurant and, and uh, just terrified. So I took an acting class to kind of help get over my right. nerves. And uh, it was there um, uh, that I realized, you know, wow, I can be up on this stage and I can be all the things in life that I have a hard time being. 
you know, in real life, I could be the, you know, the smooth guy with the girls, the lover. I could be, you know, uh, an asshole. I could be anything I wanted to be. All the things that are inside me that I really want to be. Well, that's uh, one thing I was going to say to you. One thing I, I love is, as I look through your IMDb, you have, like, the uh, the collection of, like, snake, razor, like, the big names that are just, like, like <laughs> characters that everybody would want to play because you're, like, I'm looking, I'm like, God, how does he get such great names? You know, like, Speed. Yeah. That's snake. <laughs> So you're, yeah. you're doing the acting class, but you know you're yeah. still playing guitar. You're still working at the restaurant. Yes. Now yes. I know. Didn't you meet someone there that you started a band with when you were at that restaurant? I did. Yeah, Craig Nance. We started a country band, and uh, we actually went out on the road and played for a few months. And by the time that was over, I was, I was, uh, I was not very happy because it was a, it was a country band, and you know the basic, basic beat of a country song is boom chuck boom chuck. Right. And I had a jazz background, and I was like a racehorse stuck in the, you know, stuck in the gate, not being able to go. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it wasn't working out. Drumming wasn't really working out, and the acting class was becoming more and more attractive to me. You know? Okay. And then I got, I ran into some guy who was an actor, and uh, he set me up with his agent. And I went in, and I, I did a scene for this agent, and the agent said, sure, I'll handle you. And I got a job pretty quick. I, I got a job of uh, in, a, in a film called Foxes. I know it. Jodie really, Foster. Yeah, what a really excellent film, I think. It's yeah. one of those movies, yeah, because like I said I graduated high school in 82, and this came out in 80, so it's yeah. like one of those things. You... I mean, even though I grew up in the suburbs, in a Jewish suburb, you can still relate to those movies because they were just... They, at that time... We didn't weren't seeing things like that, right? You know, there wasn't that genre, say the teen genre. So you got that role. Now, were you nervous or was that were you excited? I mean, because you go from playing drums in a country band to all of a sudden getting in a, in a movie, getting to kiss Jodie Foster exactly. on a forty foot screen. I mean, that was uh, I, yeah, I was terrified. I didn't know what a mark was. Uh, I had two scenes. The first scene took place in the concert hall where there was must have been three hundred extras and all this confusion and I think I it took me 26 takes wow. to get the first to get the first scene because I didn't know what the mark was okay and I had to walk down this long hallway and land on this X this taped out on the floor and say my line and I must have missed it 25 times I put everybody on overtime the director was yelling at me it was a really a that must be I mean that must be scary when there's a director yelling at you because you're sitting there going I don't know what I'm doing, but you don't want to say you don't want your, you don't want to say that. Oh, it was horrifying, and 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 uh, and then I had to do another scene on a different day, you know. And the director came in, and he's like, uh, you know, I know you can do a bulb. He was English, Adrian Lyon. Okay. You know, I've seen you. You've got, you've got it. You can do it. He came and gave me a nice pep talk, and then I went out and did this scene, and it, and it worked out pretty good. But that happened pretty quick. Uh, so, um, you know, I decided to pursue, I was pursuing the acting, still playing music, but pursuing the acting more. And then it was a couple of years, I hadn't gotten a gig, and, and uh, I was sitting in Schwab's. My mother came out to visit. Okay. Now, was she still in Hartford? Yeah. Okay. She came out to visit. I said, what would you like to do, Ma? She said, let's go to Schwab's, because it's kind of famous, you know, Lana Turner was discovered there. And, uh, so I was there with her, and uh, this guy walked in, and HBO had just started. K 
cable had just started, and they were running foxes. And this guy came in and he said, uh, hey, I saw you in foxes on TV last night. And he said, uh, do you have an agent? And I said, no. So he, he uh, said, well, I'd like to handle you. And maybe the third audition he sent me out on was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Now, that took me seven auditions, seven weeks of auditioning for that role. Wow. The very first time I walked in for it, Amy Hackerlin looked at me and she said, don't cut your hair. And then uh, I thought, wow, well, that's great. And then I went home and I didn't hear for a week. And then I got a call, they want to see you again. So I come back in. I do all, uh, you know, a few scenes from the script. And uh, Amy Hackling gave me the thumbs up. Art Linson and Irving Azoff were in the room. And then I didn't hear for a week. And I thought, well, okay, I didn't get it. And then I get a call. They want to see you again. So I go back down. Now I'm doing improvs on the scene. I've done every scene in the script. Now I'm doing improvs. Great. Amy gives me the thumbs up. I leave the room. I don't hear for a week. I figure, okay, I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> so then I get a call. They want to see you again. So I go back down there. I've done improvs. I've done all scenes in the film. Now they have me working with other actors. And uh, I leave the room. Amy gives me the thumbs up. A week goes by. I didn't hear. It's like, uh, well, fuck them. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, and uh, then I get a call a week later. They want to see you one more time. Amy takes me down to wardrobe, down to makeup. I get all dressed up. I go back into the room. I start doing more stuff. And, uh, and then they're like, thank you very much. And I said to him, I said to Art Linson, I wasn't sure who, you know, where this was coming from, but I said, this was after like the seventh audition. I said, you know, I really, I really like the script. And I really like the role, and I think I could do a really nice job with the role. But I'm not going to come back down here again for you. And right there, Art Linson said, uh, well, welcome aboard. Okay. So I got the job. Well, that's good. You did. The, you, 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 you were, like, tired of it. And then, then uh, Yes. I mean, you, how many times can you go up and down? Right. And, you know, oh, I did a great audition. I don't hear. I did a great audition. You know, so. Now, when you, when you got that role, there are so many great lines in that script. Did you improv any of them or doing the thing or did you, they put him in? Because, I mean, you know, the whole everyone knows the dream police and, you know, would you probably hear? Well, you know, most, most of that is written. Okay. Cameron wrote a really great script. There's a few lines that I improv that I. Which was one of them? Well, one of them was uh, right after the fight in the locker room when they, you know, I lean up against the locker and I say, uh, shit, I don't know what happened. I woke up, I was in a good mood and, you know. The uh, the shirt of the line about uh, hey where'd you get that shirt out of the hamper, those are you know improvs, little lines I threw in you know they were nice enough about that if something came to me you know I'd throw it in there but basically Cameron had written a really beautiful script and and uh, I mean you I don't know if you know probably you do that he went back to high school and wrote the script uh, as a high school student right uh, so it it. There was so much truth in it already, you know. And wasn't it shot at the Sherman, Sherman Oaks Galleria? Yes. Which is funny, because I always did this, because back, you know, in 1982, I never think I end up in L.A., and that's like, I, I 
I saw something a while ago. My one of my good buddies, Mark Esposito, I've known since I was six. We still buy albums together. And on the Elvis Costello Arms, uh, Armed Forces album, there was a 45, and it was Allison and Washington Detectives live that. from Hollywood High. When I first moved out here, I lived like two blocks from Hollywood High, but when I was like a kid listening to that, you never think, wow. And even like you drive by the 101, you always see the Sherman Oaks Gallery, right, and you right. go, wow, this movie. Because I mean, that's the one thing. Movies, they really impact people. I mean, when, when that movie started becoming big, you must have been getting swamped by people. Because you, I mean, you're, but your character was sort of a jerk, so how would you put people react to you like you were a jerk, or would they act to you nicely? Because oh, he's just an actor in a movie. Well, um, yeah, you get both, really. But the, the truth is, he, he was kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a lovable jerk, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like such a bad guy right. that you hated him. You know, he was just kind of a a jerk. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, you're right. He was one of those guys that, yeah, you like, but he could always get you good tickets. Yeah, yeah. Do, do one classic line from that movie. Mm, well, let's see. I don't care which one. Because I know my people with listening are going to go, wait, we wouldn't have to have him do a line. I'm like, well, let him talk about his other stuff. <laughs> All right, let me see. It's escaping me. Uh, all right. Um, the five-point plan dictates that you don't care whether she comes, stays, lays, or prays. Whatever happens, your toes are still tapping. See? Classic. That's perfect. So after that, were you pigeonholed into that role of Stamone, or did you, cause, did you start playing roles more of like a tough guy? Because you have a nice look. But you can also be like the street kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I was pigeonholed. I guess I did a lot of uh, sort of takeoffs on Mike Damone, you know, that, that's how Hollywood kind of works, you know. Um, and, you know, I, uh, personally, I just did whatever kind of came along, you know. Uh, I, I ended up being, my, my character as a career ended up being the uh the the guy who who you like to hate okay you know what i mean the guy who like you remember angel in rockford files yeah he was always getting into trouble rockford was always getting him out of trouble well that's what my character ended up being the sort of the second guy who was you know uh friends with the star and then always kind of getting into trouble and needing the guy to get you out of trouble you know yeah so okay and also well, you did soaps too i did a soap now for many what years what is was that i mean I, first i heard working a soap is one of the hardest gigs because you have to learn the lines every night and then come in the next day it's not like it's not like regular tv when people you know they, they don't understand that you see a sitcom takes five days to shoot or whatever right. soaps i heard because it's live tv was that a, it must have been a weird transition because coming from the more laid back i should say not laid back but the the movie and the tv the soap must have been a weird transition for you well when you're doing a film you might shoot maybe a page and a half a day when you're doing a soap you're shooting 60 pages a day uh and at you know, at some point when when I was heavy in the storyline, I'd get like a script that night and there'd be like 30 pages of dialogue. And the dialogue is not good because it's it has to be written so fat because the storyline has to last. Right. So you keep repeating the same things over and over and over again. It was working on a soap is more of a uh, it, it, 
it's more like a training ground than anything. You know, you can't really work on finding great moments as an actor. You really have to work on hitting your mark, saying all your lines, getting them out right. You know, certain positions you have to... You have to, uh, like if I was a bad guy on the soap and I'd be, uh, you know, threatening someone with a knife, but the knife had to be, you know, sort of way back behind my back and turned a certain way right. so the camera could catch the angle of it. And it's it's so not, you know, how you would threaten someone right. with a knife. You look like a ballet <laughs> dancer, you know. So the, in, in, in that respect, it was a great training ground you know for learning the technical aspect of filming which is really hitting your marks saying your lines and getting the heck off stage so okay so you did that what was it young and the restless I did, I did days of our lives for three years okay days of our lives is one of those shows that i mean honestly has one of the weirdest storylines i mean like i mean I mean, we used to watch it in college and it has <laughs> De, uh stefano demira rises from the dead right, but then right, right. all of a sudden you know josh taylor leaves us call the check and someone comes back and it's the same character, but it's some other guy. And then they all come back and you go, and it's just so funny. The writers, it must be like, they can just write anything, I think. I'll tell you, it's funny. You know, you, you leave, someone takes your, your place, same character, same name, and then you can come back. And, you know, it's like very <laughs> weird. And the fans of soap operas are, are really, uh, they're so into it. And, you know, I... I, I they're, they would see me as the character. Okay. Fans of the soap would always see me as a character, never as an actor. And I'd get booed as I'd walk around would the you, corner. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, what, what, is some, what, are the weird, what is one of the weirdest things that happened to you when you're in the soap? Because I've heard that. I mean, but people used to say James Garner in early in his career, people would start fights with him because he always played a tough guy. And right. he'd be like, no, I'm just James Garner. What is something weird that happened to you? I mean, just something that you go... Well, what the hell? I didn't sign up for this. You know, one day I was at they, they were doing a softball game, Days of Our Lives against somebody, you know. Okay. And, and I wasn't playing, so I thought I'd go and I'd watch the game. And I came walking around the corner to the baseball park, and the audience saw me, and they all started booing. And I was <laughs> like, what the f- what? <laughs> I'm just, I just come to watch the game, exactly. you know. It actually kind of scared me a little. I don't think I stayed. Yeah, because I did think that's what I've heard. It wasn't I mean, very comfortable. People you know? were crazy like that. Yeah. Now, did you have anything weird happen to you when with the Demone? Did anyone ever come up and ask you for tickets or anything? All or? the time. They still do. You know, one of the weird things that happened to me, uh, which you know, most people are pretty respectful, and they, you know, they may say something that's a little odd or stupid. Right. But you know, one day I walked into this restaurant, and there was these guys. Young guy, you know, uh, little uh, just out of college or something. One of them was having like a bachelor party, and I walked in, and one of the guys recognized me. And next thing I know, I'm uh, I'm like the bull in the ring. You know, they've all made a circle around me, and they're throwing me back and forth, and you know, and it's like it was just very, you know, uh, that was kind of scary too. The uh, the restaurant owner had to come over and it's it's weird I, I i ran into i did this little short thing with this guy years ago who's uh bradley in the movie uh bachelor party and he said like he would be out somewhere with his kids like at a concert and people would like say i thought he was like the drug addict he was in the movie and they'd be like hey! and he'd be like i'm with my kid don't exactly. try to tackle me leave me alone leave yeah. me alone yeah people can get very uh very weird about it you know 
But most people are very, very respectful, and they'll just come up and tell you, you know, hey, I, I liked you in that movie. That was great. You know, or they'll, uh, <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll, they might say something. You know, I've had people come up and go, hey, you were in that movie. God, I hated that movie. And I'm like, well, well what did you even have to say that for? That's you know? funny you say that. It's like some I've had comics on the show who sit there and they'll go, they'll, someone will tweet them. Oh, you're not funny. You're a jerk. Well, first of all, why are you taking the time to follow me on Twitter? Exactly. And plus, don't do that. I mean, fine. If you think I'm a jerk, that's fine. But I, I, that's, that's what I never get is when people do that. It's like, why go the extra dick? Why are you going out of your way to say something negative, you know? Or So you, you have, you've worked in a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the favorite ones you've done? I mean, Fame is so funny. Fame was a, fame was a very big show. And I remember when I had, when I had hair... I was sort of funny. They go, oh, you're, you're Danny Amantulo. And I was that character. And the girls thought that guy Bruno was hot, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was, what was that? I mean, it was, that was, it was so different because it came off of the movie. And then at the time, there wasn't a lot of movies becoming TV shows. Right. And that was, once again, it, that was one of those crowds where I'm sure the fans were from like age seven to age 40. That was a that was one of my favorite experiences in television. It was just a great show, and you know every week they would do a story, and they'd have several choreographed great songs and numbers. And you know, I mean, they, I never saw people work so hard. The dancers, the okay. actors, you know, I mean, and and uh, it was. I don't know. It was just for me. It was a really fun show to work on. You know, I, I, the crowd was cool. The kids were cool. It was. Uh, they took it seriously and they worked very hard. The actors would go right from working a twelve-hour day down to the studio to record a song, and then they'd go over to the dance hall and rehearse the you know the choreography. And it was a lot of work, but maybe one of the most fun shows I, I ever worked on, maybe because it involved music and, That's and, what I was and say. acting too. You and know? your character, I mean, when you're named Milty Psycho Horowitz, you can't, you can't beat that. Now, that's what's funny is, you're Italian? I'm Lebanese. Okay, because it seems like you get the Italian or the Jewish role. Yeah. And I always say, like, growing up back east, we used to call them Italian guidos, like the guys, the Jewish guys who'd act Italian, they were the thick chain. And, and like and my high school was full of them. And I saw one guy at my 30 year reunion. I said, dude, I said, I used to do a bit about you on stage. I said, I never said your name, but I said, as soon as I said it, if anyone from our high school was there, they knew exactly who it is. So but the Milty Horowitz, was he a musician? Well, you know, they never really defined Milty Horowitz. I think they brought him in for comic relief was the truth. You know, he was another one of those, that was another character who got into trouble, and everybody had to get him out of trouble. Okay. Now, you know? did you ever want to do comedy? Have you ever done comedy, stand-up? I've never done it. Uh, I have a secret desire to do it, but um, it's terrifying, really, you know. See, that's what's funny. It's like with comics, we think, like, you're a musician. You know, you can play drums. My brother's an amazing drummer. I... I put my that drum app on my tab, and I suck. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's so funny. It's it's just with comics. And and but the funny thing for you is you have you've been on stage and you've played guitar and you've, I mean, singing at a restaurant is a lot scarier than going and telling jokes in my eyes. I don't think so. Anybody who you know, I mean, when you're a comic, you're looking at this audience and this audience is looking at you and they're saying, "Go ahead, make me laugh," and that's. 
that's really hard to do. Right. You know, I mean, it's very hard to do. I, I suppose as an actor, if I had, you know, finally, if I write out a, you know, a certain monologue or something, or if I have an actual kind of script to work with, I could do it. But, you know, uh, I watch them. I watch these guys come into my shop on open night comedy, you know, open mic comedy night. Which people's shops is uh, Bob's Espresso. Bob's Espresso Bar in North Hollywood. It's on Lancashire. Yes. What's the address? Five two five one Lancashire Boulevard. Go by and his music and he has a open mic and I might even go to an open mic Friday. I don't know. I, it would be fun. I, I love getting on stage. Well, I'll tell you. And then I I watch these guys get up there and it's a real lesson when when it's not working. You know, to see how they kind of recover up there, you know, uh, or if they don't recover at all. And it can, it's, it's kind of painful. It and, is, but I think, and I've, I've always had this opinion about it, and I mean, I did it for years and I got out of it and then I'm back in it. But you, you, I think like anything in life, if you go up on stage like 80 times and you do well, Eight times. You know what? That may not be your calling. Like me, if, <laughs> if, if I go and try to hit a baseball and I strike out 18 times and I actually get a hit, maybe baseball isn't my calling. And it's sad to say, but it, it's true because, I mean, I've sat there and I've died, but I've sat there and seen people where, like in Philadelphia, when we would start out, these guys every time, and it's like one for, for your, just your confidence because you get up there and you, if you have a bad set, you're devastated. Right. But then you usually have a good, especially if you do like a five show weekend, one show's bad, you have to recover. But if you constantly go up and don't do well, I, I, I'm in all of them that they don't just know. It's weird. It's funny, yes. I see that at the shop, you know, and the same guys keep coming back and they keep trying, but they're just not funny. Right, and that's what people don't know. It's like, it's like I took this class. Classes are great. Okay, I took a class because I didn't know where the hell to go in Philadelphia. But you can't teach someone to be funny. I don't think so. I think it's a natural thing they have. And uh, and then, you know, I, we sometimes do the veterans of comedy. Which with is an amazing Edwards. show. Yeah, and, and you watch these guys and you, you see how they write jokes, how they set up jokes and tell jokes. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a real, it's a kind of an art form. Oh, yeah, you when know, you see that, a Rich Scheidner or a Wendy Liebman, you know, Wendy has her own delivery. Yeah. And you go, they're pros. I mean, they're just, they've been doing it for a long time right and they know how to kind of develop a joke so that it, when you get to the punchline it's funny right you know? i think well i think that's anything i think like with your acting too i mean you sit there and you've developed characters i mean as i, I just i love when the, these great resumes i mean you're on the facts of life which we all watched once again a great character snake snake you went from psycho <laughs> to snake now is that another character did they just say we want here we want a guy who people will like but we got to get him in trouble like, did Conrad Bain bail you out or something? Or Well, you know, what they wanted was they wanted... I did six episodes of Facts of Life in their last season, and they were looking for someone who would deflower... Well, uh, I deflowered Mindy Cohen, her character. I forget what her character name was. Uh, Natalie. Natalie, okay. Yes. Yeah, please tell the story, because I remember telling this one time on stage. I said, yeah, I feel like Robert Romanus on Facts of Life, and I forgot about it, but you were the guy who... And then did you get a virginity? Yes. Okay. Now, what yes. was, do you remember the that's setup? What, that's what they set out to do when they, you know, they were, originally it was Elisa Welchel. That was going to be her character. She was going to lose her virginity, but she was kind of a religious girl and didn't want to go there, so they gave it to Natalie. And they were looking for someone who could come in and do that. Okay. And uh, 
I guess I was on the list. That's just funny because I forgot about that. Now it's true. Yeah. It's like she was the first one to lose it on the show. And that's really what the six shows set up. You know, was that you know she has now a boyfriend, and uh, and she loses her virginity, and you know that it it, it was uh, I don't know why I got I got kind of roles like that, you know, which were which were kind of iconic in a way. You right. know what I mean? But well, that's like when that's when and I I hate it when they do this when they do a sitcom they do a very special episode of it's like no I'm watching this to forget. And just watch a comedy. It's like I don't go to a comedy show and go, okay, here's uh, some very morbid humor. That's the thing. With, and they would do it all the time. They would do it like on, uh, but everyone knows a big one is Different Strokes when, uh, you know, Arnold and his the guy got, you know, molested by the right. the guy and they were drinking. And, and back then, the difference is back then, we didn't have the awareness we have now. Like for us, right. we didn't know what that was. And we were like, what the hell? Is, I just want to see him say, what you talk about, Willis? And that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were taking a chance, you know. That was funny. Even David Letterman mentioned it, you know. See, Natalie that's cool. losing her virginity. I thought, well, that's the coolest <laughs> thing about the whole thing for me. Are you a big Letterman fan? I am, yeah. I love Letterman. Letterman. I used to watch him in college, and we used to sit there, and that was when he was on at 1230, and yeah. he'd come back from the parties and have a little buzz, and we'd go down in someone's dorm room and just laugh. And he would just do some odd stuff, you know. He just, uh, yeah, I like him a lot, man. Now, here's something that I wanted to ask you, which is a little confusing for me. You were both on, you were on 21 Jump Street, but then you were also on the spinoff. Right. But you were a different character. Well, on 21 Jump Street, I did two episodes, two different characters, actually. It was, they were just guest stars. Now, is, was that weird for you? I mean, because you're recognizable. And it's like, you know, I see it's Cadet Mortadello or Mortarallo. Yeah. And then you go in as Officer Garrett. I mean, people probably, when they see you again, they probably think it's the same guy. You know, I never think about that. Okay. You know, that's not, that's not really uh, uh, an issue for me. I mean, I look at the role, I say, this is this. I try to do this. This is something else. I try to do that. You know, if somebody, I'm sure someone's going to look at it and say, oh, well, that's the same guy. Right. You know? And uh, and then they brought me in for Booker. Now, did you, you bond know? with Johnny Depp at all when you were on? Because he's a musician and you're a musician. No, no, I never really worked with Johnny okay. Depp. You know, in fact, he was sort of on his way out at the time I started doing Jump Street. Okay, now Booker, that was everyone thought that was going to do. That Richard Grieco was like the heartthrob, like, and everyone's like, oh my god, you know. I mean, when you're considered more of a heartthrob than Johnny Depp, there's something well, going on there. Well, there was uh, seemed to be a little tension on that set, you know. Now you've got Johnny Depp and and uh, Richard Grieco, and the, and they're both, uh, you know, sort of fighting for the the girls, uh, you know, who watch the show, and and they, you know, he was uh, he's a handsome guy, man. He he had so much fan mail and stuff. Grieco, they, yeah, they just said, well, let's let's do your own show, you know. And uh, once again, I think that that's exactly the role they brought me in for. I was his best friend, and shit would happen to me, and he would have to get me out of it. See, at least you have friends who get you out of it. Exactly. That's the one good thing. They have to go, oh, he's good. The one, one movie I do have to ask you about, though, and it's funny because my friend John Kensel, who's a comic from Philly, said halfway, you know, Christmas. Um, halfway House Christmas. Now, you shot that in Philadelphia? Yeah. Okay, now, had you been to Philadelphia before? No, this was a guy, Eric Moyer. Who, uh, who was a fan of Fast Times, and just out of the blue, he called me up, and he said, you know, I, I have this little short film I'm shooting, and I have a part I would love for you to do, and, uh, 
you know, they had some money for the part, and they flew me in, and I said, great. And uh, it was a great, they were all great guys. I loved them. Had a great time shooting it. And uh, it's kind of a cool little little short film, you know. Uh, it just, that one just came out of the blue, you know. Uh, now, you're married, right? I was married. Okay. I've been divorced for 12 years Okay, now. no, because I thought I read that your ex Walks wife. It was a uh, a writer, Carrie Lizer. Yeah. So is that? Did, did you? Did you? More, do you think you met more people through Hollywood because you were established and you were on sets where there was other people who were actually working? I mean, I mean, it must be hard for you back in the day if you're out at a bar and Damone's hitting on a girl. The girls gotta be like, well, you know, does he drive that car? <laughs> does he? I mean, because my friend, we saw you crack up in college. My friend Paul Guerrera had, uh, he was a musician and he had a gremlin. This is probably, he was a senior when I was a freshman. It's like an 83. And his gremlin was purple. And on the back, he had a, like the keyboard, remember, like the, the keyboard yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. and we all like, and we all had that damn piano tie you had. Every guy had that tie. I mean, was it? I mean, I don't know. Just for that, that role was such an influential role, and I mean, and I, I will, you know, that and you know, Judd Nelson and Breakfast Club are the right. two most, I think, memorable roles of any of the '80s movies, and that's just my opinion. But I think, and most people would probably agree with that because they both were both sort of rebels, right. and Judd Nelson was the bad guy too. But you, you liked him. So, well, I mean, how did people react, like, when it was first, after you got, after it started, and when it got its popularity, would people just act, re- react weird? Because they would just sit there and go, God, that's Damone. Well, yeah. I you mean, know, I mean, it's, it's funny, because people see you as that guy, you know? Uh, and everybody wants to talk to you. You know, they all want to, you know, it's like you... It's 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 kind of funny and it's kind of weird, you know. People, everybody's your friend. Everybody wants to talk to you, and uh, and it's you know what's really funny is I'll talk to someone for a couple of minutes, and then I'll move on, and then uh, you know two years later that same person will come up and it's like, you know, yeah, you remember we met, and it's like, yeah. and I'm like, no, I really don't. <laughs> You know, but to them it was it was a you know very memorable oh, yeah. two minutes, and uh, I, I kind of get that a lot. You know, we we, we met. You know, uh, remember we met? I worked with you back in 1986. Yeah, and, you're like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. We we sang. I was I was I was section four when we made a table. I think I remember that. You know, so. Well, what I, was it? What was it like for you? Because Family Guy. Now that must have been cool. Being doing the Family Guy. Yeah. I didn't really do it. They just you took the uh, they took the clip from the movie, you know. Okay. And uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 to be honest with you, I haven't even seen it. Okay, no, because I saw it. Listen, it's such a pop culture show, and that's the thing I tell people: it's it's so well written, and it's for a certain group yeah. of people that know that Kool Aid jumping through the window. A lot of people don't remember that. Now the Kool Aid's making a comeback. Right. But it's like, you know, come on, kids aren't drinking that. There's too much sugar. I mean, really. So, okay, so my girlfriend is a big fan. She saw you in touch. Mm. Now, had you ever met Kiefer Sullivan before that? Yeah, I used to know all those guys, you know, uh, back in the 80s. uh, I'd see them all at parties or, you know, I never really hung out with them all. But they were all, you know, Charlie Sheen and his brother Emilio Estevez and, Carrie Elways and Nick Cage, you'd just see them all at a certain party and you'd say hi and chat and stuff. But 
uh, I never really hung out with them. Um, But no, but so, so, well, you did touch, and you're doing some more acting work, but what made you, do, are, are you a big coffee drinker? Do you love, is that I why you decided, coffee, I mean, because yeah. you have, and I've, and Tony said, your place is very hip, and people go check it out, and he has, I know you have music. Now, I think your band, you play there a lot, I think. Yeah, my band will play there every second Saturday of the month, you know, but it's very hard to get a crowd down to see, to see, that's what I'm finding, you know, I thought, wow, I'll have this great music, or this great comedy, or something, down at this shop, it really doesn't cost you anything, you know. You come in, you have a coffee or a tea, and you'll get some great music, you know. And uh, I find that people don't come out. It's weird. North Hollywood's like that. They have all those theaters. And I only sit there in places in Burbank, because I did some marketing for restaurants in Burbank for a while. When the Comedy Club Flappers open, it's, it's a beautiful club, but people don't go out on a Tuesday night in Burbank and spend 25 bucks. Right. You know, they don't, they're, not gonna, they're not gonna go out Wednesday. And that's the thing, coffee at least, it's a little easier. So, so you're, what, what do you play when you're there now do you, with your band? What's your band called? And well, the band is called Papa's Kitchen. Okay. We have seven CDs. Uh, you can get them on iTunes or or on the internet, or uh, you can look up the website, www.papaskitchen.com. Uh, we play all around town. We just played the uh, the uh, Pasadena Eclectic Music Festival last week. We're playing, uh, we got a couple more gigs lined up, one in, in Pasadena, uh, Glendale. Uh, we, we just play all, I, I just won't stop. You know, I love music so much, uh, it, it, it's, it's something I look forward to every week. No, okay. no matter you know how my week is going, what's happening at the shop, what's happening with acting, or personal life. This is something I can just go and look forward to. You know, I've never made a lot of money at it, never expected to. It's just something I do for for my my own health, really. You know, and uh, when I when when we play, we're a trio. And now do you play the drums again or are you playing guitar? No, I play guitar and I play bass, electric okay. guitar and bass in the band. And uh, and when we, you know, when we're recording, I'll play the drums. I'll play a lot of different instruments. I do play a lot of different instruments. You know, I, I, I'm an actual garage band. Okay. I play bass, drums, guitars keyboards, piano. Now, do you find it hard to pick them up or the because the more you know, is it easier to pick up for you? And what do you mean? A, like an instrument. Like you start off with drums and you play guitar. Right. Then I would think, okay, you go from drums to guitar, then to go to keyboard. Or, I mean, see, I can see keyboard and piano right. playing, but I mean, it's is it a challenge? Do you enjoy that challenge or does it come sort of easy? Do you have that good? Because some people are just tone deaf. I mean, yeah. like me, I, 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 could, I took guitar lab in high school and I'm playing, which every guy played the first few sets of Heartbreaker. Right. And, and then I go, yeah. Smoke on the wall. Yeah. You know the song. And they're like, no, we don't. And I'm like, yeah. Or I'll sit and someone go, you know, I'll go, yeah, that song by Coldplay, Green Eyes. And I start singing and they go, Cooper, every song you sing sounds the same. <laughs> but for you, because you're, I mean, and the thing is, you're in a band. And so you, you know how to play drums, you know how to play guitar, so then you sit there and go, you know what, I'm gonna learn how to play piano or keyboard, and it just comes to you, or do you have to really work on it? Well, you know, I, uh, I never consider it work. I never met an instrument that I didn't like. Okay. And uh, I've always maintained that you get out of an instrument what you put in it. That's a real, it's a real, uh, uh, it's a real payback thing. You see your, you know, if you, if you put an hour a week into playing piano, 
then that's how you're going to play piano. Okay. But if you sit down and play piano an hour every day, at the end of that week, you're going to be that much better. And and I like I say, I never met an instrument I didn't like. I'll pick it up and just play it. And just every everything I do is uh, all by ear. I don't read music. Uh, and I've put more time into music and instruments than anything else in my life. You know, I'll still, uh, uh, I'll still sit down and and just for my own pleasure, sit down and play the piano for a couple of hours. Okay. You know, uh, and a lot of times when we're recording, it, it, it comes out of necessity. You know, we need something here. Well, I have a saxophone. I don't really play it, but I know I can blow three notes. Okay. You know, so let me figure out how to blow these three notes into this song here. And and, and so now all of a sudden I'm starting to learn how to play the sax. You all know right. what I mean? And, and that's kind of how it's been. So what kind of music does your band play? What would you classify it as? Well, I guess I guess it, you'd say like Americana or acoustic rock. You know, uh, we have a kind of a quirky sense of humor, a little left of center. You know, it's not like... Uh, it's not like when I listen to other other singer songwriters, you know, it's beautiful love songs or something, you know. And ours, we tend to write about the devil a lot, you know, okay. the devil and uh, big mouths, and you know, I mean, we we're we're a little more quirky, but our influences are like J.J. Cale and Van Morrison and Bob Dylan and. Uh, you know all the guys that we grew up with, really. So I'd, I'd, I'd classify it as acoustic, acoustic rock or Americana. You know? Now, how did you meet these guys? And and the thing is, you must get along great because if you've done seven, I mean, that's a lot of writing. I mean, seven CDs. That's a lot of damn CDs. Oh, you bet. Man. How do you guys? Is it? How did you meet these guys? Well, listen now. Uh, Steve, who's my partner, songwriting partner, uh, and it's really Papa's Kitchen is me and Steve. And then we added Kenny about four months ago because uh, we were working on, on our three-part harmony. We wanted to get a nice three-part harmony going. So we added Kenny. Um, but Steve and I met uh, as singing waiters Okay. back in the late 70s. And uh, about 17 years ago, when I was going through junk with my fam, my wife and everything, and he was having a hard time, we decided to get together every Tuesday and Friday night for at least three hours. And originally it was just, you know, we'd, we'd get together, we'd turn on the recorder, and it would be a stream of consciousness, you know. My wife is a jerk. But, okay. You know, you just get up there and play whatever you were feeling. And, and we continued on Tuesdays and Fridays almost religiously for the last 17 years. We still do. And in that time, our songs became a little more polished. We started actually, you know, back then it was you get one take. You play the guitar, you play the drums, you play the bass, you sing the lyrics all in one take. Whatever comes out, comes okay. out. And then we started to actually work on them a little bit. And, and before you know it, you know, we have written, well, there's 77 songs on those seven albums, you know, and then there must be another 50 that never made the albums and another 25 that were never finished, you know? So it's just, like I say, it's that one, no matter what's going on in my life, I know Tuesday night's coming up, I'm gonna get to sit down and play a little music, 
and that will be a little relief for me. Okay. You know, what do you what do you think is your favorite instrument to play? If you had, to, I know you love them all, but if you had to pick, I mean, because I think drummers. Once you drum, I think that's my my brother's a drummer. It's like a drummer that's just. I think drummers are hard. Like I don't have any coordination where you can hit the tom. You can. I mean, the thing is, it's hard enough to go do 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 do, but right. then you sit and you have to go, and then the boom and. I mean, and then there's really the have, snare and the yeah. tim tom. And there's all that. You got four, uh, four. It's like having four different minds working at the same time: the foot pedal, the the hi hat pedal, and your two hands. You know, uh, and that just takes practice. You know, that just that just comes with playing it, playing it slow, working on it until it's just kind of ingrained. You know, right. Uh, my favorite instrument to play is the piano. Okay. And when I when I have free time, that's what I play, because it's all right there in front of me. I can see all the notes. It's the only instrument I can see all the notes. In a guitar, you know, you're holding the guitar, but yeah, you're, you're not right. really looking at the neck. You know, you're not seeing it right here. I see E F D G. You know, and uh, and. You know, with each instrument I play, you kind of, kind of, a, a, a different, a different feeling comes out. A different kind of playing comes out. You know, piano for me is, is the most relaxing, and it's also the, the, you know, I can just sort of go off on it, and just, did just you, let it go. Do you have any piano influences that you can sit there and go, God, I love this guy. Like, do you like, do you like Billy Joel's piano playing? Do you like? I mean, is there anything, or is there any some someone that? You sit there and go, wow, this person's a great player. There's a guy I found out went to my college. His name's John Cooliani. He's a jazz pianist in New uh-huh. York. He's the newest comic, and I found him on Facebook, and I said, you were friends with the late Vinny D'Angelo. I said, we used to sit there after shows and go back to his place, and I would listen to your music. And then I, said, mm. then I found out you went to my college. And I was wow. like, this is cool. But it was like, and that's someone who people really don't know, but he's one of those guys who plays in New York all the time, so he plays with big musicians. Is there any piano players that you would want to meet, or you just sit there and go, God, that's... There's two piano players that uh, I just absolutely love. Uh, first is uh, and foremost is Bill Evans. He's a jazz pianist, and I mean he's like liquid, man. Just listening to him go, you know, play his songs. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not. Uh, but Bill Evans is the most the most amazing jazz pianist I I've uh, I've ever heard. You know, and the uh, my favorite rock piano player is uh, Nicky Hopkins, is his name, and uh, he's played with a lot of different bands. I I uh, I first heard him uh, when he played with a band called Quicksilver Silver Messenger Service. I don't know if you've ever heard of I've him. Heard that's, of that's, I'm taking you way back now. Okay, and uh, he just has this beautiful. Uh, this beautiful kind of uh, I don't even know what you call it, but you know he's. He plays, mm, I can't describe, you can't describe it. it. It's just, no. but when you listen, it just blows you away. It, it really does. He, you know, it's, it's, it sounds more, it doesn't sound rock and roll. It sounds more, uh, you know, more, almost more classical in okay. a way, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, it's escaping me right now, but he's, you know, he's, uh, a lot of arpeggio kind of things that you don't really hear in rock and roll a lot. You know, he's uh, if you get a chance, Nicky oh, Hopkins yeah. and Bill Evans. Now, with your music, because you, you, you're you're a 
huge fan of music and you play a ton of instruments. How did that, and we'll go back to Fast Hunter Raisman High, that was such an 80s soundtrack. At that time, did you like that music or were you sort of like, I really dig the classic? Because you see more like, a, you know, when everyone says the one scene when you tell them to listen to Zeppelin and... It's the wrong song. Yeah, it's Cashmere <laughs> off Physical Graffiti, which everyone loves. But that's but you seem because your character was selling, you know, Van Halen tickets and right. this and that. Were you a fan of those bands at the time? I love Van Halen, but well, I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard Cheap Trick. Okay, you know, I had to go out and buy the album because <laughs> so that's, that's like the biggest. That's yeah. one of the biggest lines is remembered in you and you. You know, the Dream the, Police. Da, 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 da. I, I had no idea what those songs were, so I had to go out and buy those albums. You know. Uh, and uh, a lot of that music was kind of new to me, you know. Uh, I hadn't been listening to it. But uh, I love all kinds of music, really, you know. And, uh, and quickly became fans of, of them, you know. Certainly Elvis Costello, I was turned on to him during that movie, you know. Amy Heckling turned me on to him. Now, did you ever meet him? No. No. Who is, is there any big celeb, I'm not both musicians, because you're a musician, is there any big musicians you've met that because of your career and just for your fame that you would sat there and went back when you're in Hartford playing, you know, the drums, if you would say, okay, there's no way in hell, like you wouldn't even fathom, is there any musicians you've met that just blown you away? Well, uh, I gotta say, one of my favorite drummers is Ringo Starr. Okay. I did meet Ringo Starr one day and, uh, and that, that was, I mean, Christ, he's a Beatle, you know, and he's Ringo Starr. And, you know, a lot of people don't appreciate his drumming, you think, and it's very simple and stuff. But the truth is, I think he's an amazing drummer. He plays those drums very melodically, too, you know. Um, <clears throat> the truth is, I, 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 I get a little starstruck, and uh, I really don't like to meet celebrities because I'd much rather appreciate their work okay. than then know them in person and and have an opinion about their personal life that might affect their work. Okay, that makes sense. You know. Now the Ringo, the funny thing you see about the Ringo Starr is a, a good friend of mine hosted a show on Playboy with him. And so I used to work with this guy and we got to see the Ringo and his all-star band, which is hands down. I mean, the time I saw it, you're sitting there and you're, you're watching the show. The keyboardist is from Supertramp. The yeah. guy from Emerson, Lake and Palmer is playing guitar. Ian Hunter is playing. And you sit there and you go, I mean, that's what music is because they're all playing for fun. It sounds like when you guys play, you guys have played for a long time, but you, you don't take yourselves too serious. You're not like, hey, let's do this. You say we're a little more, you know, I forget how you described your uh, songs. They're a little more uh, quirky, quirky. You know, a little and that's awful. like fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is fun. It has to be fun, you know. It's uh, the best. The best way to play music is just to sit down and and with some people and play, and listen to them and work off of them. And it's like a great conversation. Playing music is like having a great conversation with somebody. You take and you give, and you know. Now, how do you write your songs, though? I mean, in the beginning, you said it was like the stream of consciousness, but then you right. said, do you still do that? Do you guys sit there and go, or do you sit there and go, we're going to write 10 songs? No, not at all. In fact, Steve's very prolific. He, he writes us, you know, he comes up with, for every 20 songs he writes, I may write one. I have to be really, uh, I have to uh, I have to get inspired by something. Usually, you know, something will happen and I'll be 
depressed or angry or you know happy and and all of a sudden a thought will come out of that and you know it's uh barbara streisand said it it's 10 percent inspiration 90 percent perspiration you know so that the idea comes very quickly you know the thought or the hook or something and then you really have to sit down and work out the song and uh, that's how I, I write, you know, sometimes I'll just sit down with my book and just start writing my feelings or lyrics or something, you know. Uh, or sometimes because I'm much more musically inclined than I am lyrically inclined. Okay. I'm not a wordsmith at all, you know. Steve is much more of a wordsmith. He likes to sit down and write words. And me, I, I'll, I'll write music all day long, you know. Uh, but for me, I have to be inspired, and that may take months. Okay. You know, Steve, he'll sit down and write a song a day. Okay. I don't know how he does it. we got to wrap it up soon. Uh, sure. give, give all your info. Tell people where they can find your website, your Twitter, whatever you want to. Just tell them. Okay. Uh, well, uh, the band website is www.papaskitchen.com. The, uh, is that one P or two? Uh, P-O-P-P-A-S Papa's Kitchen then there's uh, Bob's Espresso Bar in North Hollywood on Lancashire Boulevard and that's www.bobsespressobar.com and uh, also on Twitter it's Bob's Espresso Bar or uh, yeah, I think it's or or Bob's Espresso. I think not quite. I just hooked up to Twitter. Do you like Twitter? I really don't. Okay, I a lot of people. Don't, it took me a while to get, but I write jokes. But it's hard to post stuff like with links and stuff because you go, "Am I going over this?" You know, it's crazy. I'm telling you, lately I've been very disappointed in the social media. You know, it's, it's like uh, it's like a lot of barfing. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> why am I reading this? I forgot my phone the other day. I was down at this espresso bar working and. Uh, I didn't have my phone with me, and I found myself reading a book and playing my guitar. And I thought to myself, shit, this is what I used to do. Right. This is nice, you know? Instead of now I'm like on Instagram and I'm oh, seeing yeah. who, and now I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing, you know, and it's like there are people there. I don't even know who they are, and they're, you know, it's like. It's so crazy with that stuff, because that's like for me, it's like, you know, back in the day we didn't have cell phones, but you know what? You found your buddies at a bar. At the end of the night, you always hooked yeah. up, and it wasn't. We didn't just think, "Oh, hey, I'm at, I'm at oh, this place, this place." Yeah. So, and you, your band plays every other at the at the shop. At the shop, we're there every second Saturday of the month. Um, How long of a set you play? We'll play for an hour or so. I'll try to get an act up in front of us too, you know. And and most of the musicians I bring down are friends or old friends, and they're really good musicians. I would love it if people, you know, not even for me in the shop. I'll be honest with you, but there's such good music. I, right. I just wish someone would come down and appreciate it, you know. I had these three guys come down the other night, all jazz musicians, all have played with, like, from Quincy Jones on down. They were awesome. But there was hardly anyone in the audience. And that makes you feel sad. It does. It does. It's like, guys, these guys come out and they, they spend their time. It's crazy. But I want to thank you so much for coming on, Bob. Well, uh, thank you, was, man. Uh, I appreciate it, Steve. I just, you know, I... I, I just love talking to people and you know and you're someone that when i was you know i was younger than you see you're, you're making you're putting music to the community you're putting comedy to the community and you're not charging people and and that's great and that's what people need to see they have to need they need to see more of that because then they can get a feel for comedy and your shows i mean people his shows the ones with the 
uh, Tony Edwards shows, you're going to see people you've seen on TV. I mean, they're all big. But it's great. But I want to thank you. And people, uh, send me an email, cooper at indy100, cooper I, at I-N-D-E, I-N-D-I-E-E-100, I can't even speak, 100.com. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Uh, Facebook, I have a Cooper Talk page, but I really don't do that much. Uh, May Next Tuesday, May 21st, I'll be headlining the Casa Torres restaurant out there in Northridge. And you fill it off, you people. Uh, listen to me. Uh, follow me on Twitter, and you'll find out when I call into the Big Daddy Graham show. I usually call it midnight on Thursdays. We talk in Hollywood. So once again, I want to thank you, Robert. Thank you, Steve. People, come to my website, coopertalk.net. I have about 150 episodes up. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. You have a great weekend.